Brigades, led by a two-star general. The 1st Battalion, 69th Infantry Regiment, the Fighting 69th, consisted of six companies totaling around 500 soldiers during peacetime and four companies totaling up to 700 soldiers during its tour in Iraq. During homeland defense duty from 2001 through 2003, the Fighting 69th reported to the 3rd Brigade of the 42nd Infantry Division, New York Army National Guard. For deployment to Iraq, the Fighting 69th was reorganized as Task Force Wolfhound and reported to the 256th Brigade Combat Team from the Louisiana Army National Guard. The 256th reported to the 1st Cavalry Division for the first half of its deployment to Iraq and the 3rd Infantry Division for the second half. Prologue October 1991 New York Army National Guard Captain Jeff Slack drove his tired pickup through the Queens Midtown Tunnel toward Manhattan, with nothing to look forward to when he came out on the other side. No units would be standing in formation. No sergeants would be calling cadence. No soldiers would be cleaning their rifles. There would be nothing to satisfy the hunger of the patriotic warrior that stirred restlessly just below his civilian clothes, searching for a target, listening for the sound of the guns. Slack took a long drag from an unfiltered camel, smoking it down to the brown stains on his leathered thumb and middle finger. He was headed to the 69th Regiment Armory, home to what was, as far as he was concerned, the worst unit in the National Guard the laughing stock of the army. The guardsman flicked the cigarette out the window and then lit another as he pulled into the night and made his way through the east side, where ethnic toughs wearing first-generation hip-hop gear were waiting to be recruited and led out of the darkness and over the ramparts, where aimless yuppies who should have been at officer candidate school stumbled in and out of bars, and where middle-aged men wearing ties and cufflinks sped toward Nassau, Westchester, and Jersey in shiny German and Japanese sedans that burned Detroit auto workers at the same rate as Arabian oil. At a red light at Lexington Avenue, he flipped on his left turn signal, taking another long drag on the camel to help the time pass. He was just ten blocks away from the armory, yet light years from where he thought he should be. If Jeffrey James Slack had controlled his own fate, he would have been at that very moment in late 1991, blazing across an open field atop an American infantry fighting vehicle near some contested border. The Bushmaster on his M2A2 Bradley would be loaded with 25mm armor-piercing and high-explosive rounds. His M16A2 assault rifle would be loaded with a 30-round magazine of NATO 5.56mm ball and tracer bullets. He'd be a major just a step away from commanding a battalion in his own right. He'd be wearing the combat infantryman badge that he would have earned during Schwarzkopf's hundred-hour blitzkrieg in the desert. Below the badge, inside his chest pocket, he would have a Cuban cigar that his operations sergeant major would have picked up for him in a third-world bodega that sold everything a primal man could ever want. If, at age 34, Jeff Slack from Mastic Beach, Long Island, was where he thought he should be, indeed where St. Michael, the archangel himself, intended, he'd be cradled in the cold steel of the military-industrial complex, defending America from evil and smiling from ear to ear like a kid who had just scored the prom queen.
but Captain Slack wasn't one who could compromise his values simply to satisfy his own selfish needs. Family came first, just ahead of the Army. And the life of an infantry officer in the U.S. Army in the late 70s and early 80s had placed a strain on Slack and his newlywed. Not far from his romantic visions of martial service were the grim realities of life as a soldier. While he might one day get command of an infantry battalion, Slack also reasoned there was a good chance the stress of the army would leave him divorced, estranged from his wife and children, and suckling on a whiskey bottle alone in the bottom of his closet, only moments after the armored vehicles were parked in the motor pool. Slack couldn't risk it. He opted instead for the perfect family, and a vision of a white picket fence and green lawn, where Ward and the beaver could play catch for an hour before June called them in for dinner. He moved to suburbia and took over...